Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. In the last few of our sessions together, we've been talking about how to keep on keeping on being a Christian after you come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the, your struggles in life aren't over at the moment you believe. In some ways, they really just begin. And so uh, in the last few sessions, as we've gone through the scripture, we've talked about how through trusting in him and relying on him, uh, he gives you the strength to keep on each day being the person that he's called you to be. And so another way, and, and maybe one of the most important ways that you remain in the faith day by day as you walk with the Lord is by being connected with the body of Christ, which is the church. And today we're going to talk about the church and see what the Bible says about uh, this wonderful body that God has called into existence. And so uh, let's pray first, and then we'll read what the Scripture has to say and talk about it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect plan that is laid out for us through the Scripture. Lord, that uh, you don't just call us out to be alone, but that you call us to be part of a family, uh, the family of God, which is your church. Lord, uh, I pray for all who listen today that they might be encouraged and strengthened and be brought into a fellowship with you and your church. Lord, uh, bless us to that end today and strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, uh, to begin with, you need to know that the church is not man's idea. The church is God's idea. From, uh, from the time that Jesus ascended up into heaven and on that day when he sent his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the church, uh, when the Spirit came, the church of Jesus Christ was born. Because the church is the people of God who are filled with the Spirit of God carrying out the work of God in this world until Jesus comes again. And, uh, and so when you hear, maybe, maybe you've said, or if you've heard people say, well, you know, I just want to believe in God. I don't really want to be part of the church. Uh, that's a person that doesn't really understand uh, the calling that God has put on their lives because God calls all of his children who believe in him by faith into his church. And so the church is not just man's idea. The church is God's idea. And the Greek word for church is the word ekklesia, which is a word that simply means uh, the called out ones, those who have been called out by God. And you know, God created all life in uh, all human beings, regardless of whether they are believers in Jesus Christ, are, are made and created by God. But God looks in his creation and he calls out a few of those uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, to be the church. And uh, God has been working this way since the beginning when God uh, called out Abraham. 
from Ur of the Chaldees, he called Abraham out and Abraham believed God and the scripture says it was credited or reckoned to him as righteousness. So God called Abraham out and Abraham received God's call through faith in him. And then, so God called out Abraham and then Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob who became Israel. And Israel had 12 sons. And the 12 sons became the, uh, uh, the patrons or the, the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel who are also the called out people of God. And so uh, then out of them, uh, in the day of Jesus, God called out 12 disciples for himself to be his people and to carry out his mission. And then today, God has called out the church all who believe in him are his called out people in the world to carry out his mission in the world. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 16 and we'll look now at what Jesus in his words has to say about his church. So we're look at Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. All right, so let's look at this. Peter was talking to the disciples, and he asked them, who do people say that I am? First of all, that was his question. And so they gave him answers to that question. They said, some say that you are one of the prophets, some say that you are Elijah, and, and he, so he brought it from the general to the specific. And he said to them, okay, that's who people say that I am. What about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered this and he confessed. He said, Jesus, you are the Christ, which means the Messiah, the Savior. You are the son of the living God. And this question that Jesus asked, and answered by Peter is really the most important question that you could ever answer in your life. Jesus' questions to, to Peter is his same question to you and to all people. Who do you say that Jesus is? You know, it's not just enough to know that Jesus is uh, the Son of God. It's not just enough to know that Jesus uh, is a, the child of God, or even that Jesus is the Savior. What's important for you, what's life-changing, which is, which is uh, the, the answer that opens up the kingdom of heaven for you, is when you believe that Jesus is your Savior, you see. It's not just enough to know that He's the Savior. It's knowing that He is your Savior, that He died for you, that it's your sins that he paid for by his blood shed on the cross. 
And that's what Peter was answering that day. And when Peter answered the question, and he says, you are the Christ, you are my Savior, Jesus. Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter. Up to this time, Peter had be called, been called Simon. But he called him Peter, and the Greek word there, Petros, simply means rock. Rock. So Peter is like the first rocky. You see, he called him rocky. You are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And a lot of people are confused about this teaching on this rock, they, uh, I will build my church. They think that Peter is the rock, but it's Peter's confession of Christ that the church is built on. Peter was the first one who was to confess Jesus as his Savior. But from that time on, each person who has Confess Jesus as their Savior. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of a living God and died for my sin. Each person who confesses that, they then become one of the rocks who are built on the foundation that was begun by Peter. And, he, and Jesus goes on to say, And on this confession of faith in me, I will build my church and the powers of death will not prevail against it. It is the confession of Jesus that builds new, puts new rocks on the foundation of the church. The church is built on the rock, those who confess like Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is brought about and, and really expounded on in Peter, by Peter's own explanation over in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's turn to that now and and we'll get some more of what Peter says about the church. And this is in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5, first of all. And uh, 1 Peter is one of those books, sometimes you kind of have to look for it. It's back there in the back. It's one of those small books and comes right after James in the New Testament. And so uh, let's read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Come to him, to that living stone, rejected by men, but in God's sight, so chosen and precious. And like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, you, starting out now, he's talking to you, you come to him also, to that living stone. And like living stones, then you yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And so uh, Peter is a living stone. He's rocky. He's the first uh, rock, the first stone that the foundation of the church was built on. And now he's saying through faith, as Peter confessed, then you too become one of the living stones. And he says, when you do this, you yourself individually then become a spiritual house. And what that means then is that uh, in another place in the scripture, the Apostle Paul tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so that means that you are a spiritual house. Uh, the Spirit of God lives in you. And through faith in Jesus, you too become a spiritual house. The Spirit of God lives in you, dwells in you, and empowers you to go out and to do the work of the church. He goes on, he says, you are a holy priesthood. And this is really news for some people because a lot of people think that the priests are the ones who've been to seminary and who have been ordained 
and uh, the ones who stand up on Sunday in, in the pulpits and give the sermons. And although they are priests, they're not the only priest of God. They're not the only priests or pastors of God. You, through faith in Jesus Christ, are called to be a called into a holy priesthood. You are a priest of the living God, which means that you, empowered by the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus, you're called to go out and to take the good news of Jesus Christ into the world and to be the hands and the heart and uh, of Jesus to love people as he did and to offer spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God. The spiritual sacrifice that Jesus calls you to offer is to offer yourself to him in service to him. Uh, not He doesn't need a sacrifice of a goat or a bull or a lamb anymore because Jesus is our one-time sacrifice that was good for all people for all time. But what he calls us to do is to offer ourselves in service to him by serving others. And so the conclusion of, of this part in 1 Peter 2, 4 is that you can have the same experience as Peter by coming to Jesus and confessing your faith. And you can become a rock built into a house that's made of other rocks. Uh, your other brothers and sister Christians that you know who come alongside of you and build the church of Jesus Christ. And this is the house of believers at where Jesus dwells. He dwells in his people and among his people. I love the old hymn that says, Built on a rock, the church does stand. And the rock is Jesus. And, uh, and then out of him, uh, he creates living stones like Peter, like Paul, like you, and like me, who all come to him through faith and become his church. Let's turn and get a little bit more. We're going to go to 1 Peter. Uh, again, stay in 1 Peter and look at verse 9. And Peter writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Okay, so let's look at this, what Peter says. You are a chosen race, first of all. And, and so uh, a lot of people think about the, the, the people of Israel, the Jews, as being God's chosen race. But through faith in Jesus Christ, you become an adopted child into the family of God. And you become a part of that chosen race. And that, that calling is a calling that's offered to all people who would come to him through faith in Jesus. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. And so you're not just any old priest. You're a priest of the king. Jesus calls you into his priesthood as a believer in him, and he sends you out to do the work of, of the church in your home and in your community. You are a holy nation. You are God's own people. Uh, I want to talk just a little bit more about this word holy nation. Uh, the word holy, a lot of times people think that they're a holy person is one that's all sanctimonious and maybe sometimes you hear holier than thou. And uh, a person that's holier than thou is a self-righteous person and that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here by holy is a... Uh, 
simply means set apart for God's purposes. Uh, you are a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And by holy means that God takes you out of the world of, of unbelieving people and he sets you apart for a special purpose. And that special purpose is to live the life that he's called you to live and to also uh, call people for his sake into that same life of being a Christian. And he says, he does that so that you may declare his wonderful deeds, the deeds of him who called you out of his dark, out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so, uh, so Jesus calls you to proclaim his marvelous deeds, uh, to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. His marvelous deeds are that he, he died for, for you. He offers forgiveness of sins if you'll believe in him. He promises you resurrection so that on the day of your death, that death will not be all that there is. Through faith in Jesus, uh, you will be raised again into a new life one day in the future when Jesus comes again. And so uh, he calls you to take that message out into the world. And so, uh, and that's the good news for you and for all people. So let's look at, at verse 10 now in 1 Peter chapter 2 and get a little bit more here. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so uh, before you believed in Jesus, he says you were no people. And he's talking here kind of to the Gentiles in general, but uh, for each of us, we're part of that group. Before we believed in Jesus, we were not God's people. We were lost and drifting uh, in the world without a future and uh, without a hope. But through faith in Jesus now, we are God's people. You know, uh, it's when uh, a lot of times you hear like people in the business world, they talk about how uh, they'll have their people get with your people and make an appointment. Uh, you know, God has people. And God's people are you and me and all who believe. And uh, through faith in Jesus, we are God's people to go out and take his, his message to the world. He says, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, mercy is the key ingredient for the people of God. The people of God who through faith have received mercy. In other words, we, we are not uh, under condemnation because of Jesus. Uh, through faith in Jesus, God in his mercy forgives us of our sin and cleanses us and gives us a new life. So the people of God are the ones who've received mercy. And if you're one of those children of God, that means you are just one of the, of the millions throughout the ages who have been forgiven and received mercy. Uh, so the people of God, just in brief summary, are those who have been called out, those who have come to him and responded to the call through faith in Jesus, those who have believed in him and those who have received mercy. Uh, the new people of God have received mercy. We are the descendants of Abraham. We've talked about that. Uh, we were the old people, uh, the old people 
the, sorry, the people of the Old Testament were the old people of God. But now since Jesus came, the people of the new covenant are the new people of God. And we are part of that, uh, of that new house of God that's built on the rock of all who confess that Jesus is Lord, receive mercy, and those who become a temple for the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in, this, in these verses. Well, back in Matthew, he says, uh, the powers of death shall not prevail against the church. And really what that means is that the kingdom of this world will rise and fall, but the church of Jesus Christ will endure to the very end. I remember one time I heard uh, in a message that the, the church of Jesus Christ is only one generation away from extinction. And what the preacher with really good intentions was saying is that unless people go out and tell others about Jesus, then the church is going to wither away and die. Well, uh, it is our job to tell the next generation about Jesus, but we have his promise that nothing is going to come against the church of Jesus Christ. It will be here and endure uh, until Jesus comes again. Uh, the church, a lot of people say today that the church is in trouble and, uh, and that the church is drifting away and is becoming lost. Well, let me say the church throughout history has gone through good periods and bad periods in terms of being true to its call. But we know that whether it's in a good period or in a bad period, the church of Jesus Christ is going to come back to Jesus and will endure to the very end. And so uh, let's go back to the book of Matthew now. And we're going to get a little bit more information about the church of Jesus Christ and its calling. And so back to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read verse 19. And Jesus is saying here, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so he says here, Jesus says, uh, he says, I'm going to give you the keys, and the, and the keys uh, are given, first of all, to the apostles, and then second of all, to all of us who are uh, the recipients, the beneficiaries of them being true to take the message of Jesus. And as they took the message out, people believed, and then they continued, and people believed, and then it comes all the way down through the generations to you and me who believed. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be, uh, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you, uh, whatever you loose on earth will, will be loosed in heaven. And so this, the, the solution here, uh, the conclusion rather, is really simple. Uh, keys are given to us. And what are keys for? Keys are for locking and for unlocking. And I'm going to find my keys here. I think they're in this drawer. Here they are. Here are the keys. And uh, these are my keys. And if you look at this key in particular is my house key. And this house key is more than just a little piece of metal. It's symbolic of a lot. Uh, this house key opens the door and lets me in. If I don't have a key to the house and no one's home, I'm going to be sitting out on the curb and waiting until somebody gets in. So this key is for letting me in and letting people in to my home. 
but the key is also for locking and, and keeping people outside. At night, the doors are locked because we don't want people coming in off the streets into our house. And so keys are for locking and unlocking. And, and they let people out and let people in. And it's the same for the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The keys of the kingdom of heaven let people into heaven, but the keys also will lock people out. And the keys are very simply the forgiveness of sin. And when the forgiveness of sin is offered to someone and they receive it, then they have the key to open up the door to the kingdom of heaven and come in. Unless their sins are forgiven, then they will have no part in the kingdom of heaven. And so when the keys are given to us, that means that it's our responsibility to go out and offer the forgiveness of sin and tell people about the forgiveness of sins so that they might themselves receive it and then themselves have the key to come into the kingdom of heaven. Unforgiven sin keeps people out while forgiven sin lets people in. Jesus gives us the authority to do that, to use the keys. And when they receive him through faith, their sins are forgiven, and then the Holy Spirit comes into them. And the Holy Spirit of Jesus was there uh, to offer forgiveness of sins to us, and uh, especially to all who receive him and confess their sins and turn to him in faith. That was Jesus' spirit to do that. But it was also Jesus' spirit to let people remain in their sins when they said they didn't have any sin and were self-righteous. And I remember a man that I knew in a Bible study one time, and, and we were talking about the forgiveness of sins, and people were talking about some of their struggles with sin that Jesus had helped them come overcome. And this man uh, listened, and he looked confused, and finally raised his hand, and he said, you know, I don't know what you all are talking about. I don't have any struggles with this. I don't have sins that I have to deal with like you do. And, and you know, that in and of itself was his sin, wasn't it? Uh, saying that he had no sin because the scripture tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because he was claiming he had no sin, he was not receiving the keys to enter into the kingdom of heaven because you have to receive mercy for your sin before the kingdom, the keys are there to open up the gates to the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The, the keys of the kingdom don't make us little gods in the sense that we can keep people in or out, but what they do is make us ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ to go out in his authority and offer the forgiveness of sin to people so that they can receive it and through that key of forgiveness, the kingdom of heaven can be opened up for him, for them, and they can enter into and live with Jesus forever. And so this message today is about the church of Jesus Christ. First of all, you become a, a member of the church through answering that question that Jesus asked. And I, again, the most important question you could ever answer, I want to ask you today. Who do you say that Jesus is? Um, Jesus died for you. Jesus forgave your sin. And it's today I challenge you and I, and I encourage you 
If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, that you open up your heart today and ask him in not to just be the savior of the world, but to be your savior. And when you do, he'll give you the keys to open up that gate through faith in him, very simply through faith and the forgiveness of your sins, which you receive when you ask him into your heart. He will open up the kingdom of heaven and your future, your eternal destiny will be secure. And so if you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today. And when you do, you become an immediate member of his body, the church. You become another stone in that structure, which began with Peter's confession, 